maybe a leap of faith or uh, take a chance and try something that's different and uncomfortable and convince the kids that it's okay to do things that are uncomfortable uh, because not only is that required in our sport at no time is running a 5k comfortable or really should it be if you're doing it right right it's not fun uh oh maybe it's fun at the end but in the moment it's it's uncomfortable but that's also a good skill to have in life that there are times when we have to do more serious things that aren't you know high school 5ks uh, that are very uncomfortable and then how how do you handle that if you've never been exposed to exposed to that Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. My name is Josh Puccinelli, and this is my portion of the podcast where I sit down with some of the best coaches and athletes from around the state, past and present. We discuss the highs and lows of their running or coaching journeys, the key insights they've gained along the way, and often dive into the bigger picture beyond the course of the track, the things that make them human, not just elite runners or coaches. This episode is brought to you by 2 Before Performance Nutrition. 2 Before is a natural sports performance supplement made from New Zealand blackcurrant berries. There's a growing body of evidence behind these berries for improving endurance and kickstarting recovery. With a sweet and tangy berry flavor, you can mix it in water, juice, sports drinks, and smoothies. For optimal results, drink daily 30 to 60 minutes before training. Use code INDIANA30 online at 2before.com for 30% off 20-pack products and free shipping. The following is an interview with Taylor Marshall. Taylor is a Lawrence Central and IU graduate and the current head girls cross-country coach at Carmel. During this interview, we cover Taylor's start in the sport, his time at LC, how it's changed since he graduated, how he ended up teaching and coaching after almost pursuing his PhD in psychology, the highs and lows of his time coaching in North Central, the key moments of his first two years at Carmel, staying in shape as a coach, his views on training and culture, answer listener questions, and much more. I've enjoyed getting to know Taylor through coaching and podcasting alongside him. Even though I've gotten to know him over the past year, I still learned a lot through this conversation. It's clear how much Taylor values the relationships he's developed with his athletes and their families. He both wants them to have as much success as possible and for them to know that success isn't ultimately what defines them. Again, thank you guys for listening to and supporting this podcast. As always, I hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Without further ado, I give you Taylor Marshall. All right, Taylor, welcome to the dark side of the podcast. How's it going? Things are great, man. Thanks for having me, Josh. I appreciate it. Uh, it's fun to do this and and to be a part of your interviews now. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's it's kind of weird, like listening to your side of things because, like, we we talk like the three of us are like in in conversation about the podcast and whatnot. Yeah. But it kind of feels like a separate thing, but it's not actually. So it's always fun when the world's mixed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. how's the summer going for you? Summer's pretty good as we sit here to record this tonight. I report to school for my first teacher day tomorrow. So Ooh. this is yeah, I know this is really the end of the summer. That's been uh pretty good overall. Um, done a lot of cross country, obviously. Um, been able to spend time with friends and family and stuff like that. Um, my own running, we can get into that later, but that's been uh, one of my priorities the past, you know, eight to nine weeks that I've been off from school. So um, overall, things are things are pretty good. Nice. Uh, how was camp? Camp was great. Uh, we went to IU down in Bloomington for two nights. 
Uh, we stayed in one of the dorms, Teeter, which I did not stay in. I went, I stayed in Briscoe when I was at IU, Disco Briscoe, man. Uh, but Teeter <laughs> was good. They had renovated it. And the girls, I think, had a pretty good time. Uh, seniors had a lot of fun things planned. Um, you know, running down there in a different environment was great. Um, you know, we went right down 10th Street and right off uh, Woodlawn. There's a big grassy area that we used for a workout one day. And um, otherwise, they got to do a little bit of exploring on their own. And it just uh, it was a good place and fun to be back. And, and for me, a little bit, it was fun to look around and it'd be the old guy, I guess, and be like, well, this wasn't here when I was here. You know, what is this? <laughs> Why did they change the name of this street? I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm really 85 inside, Josh. You'll, there's a lot, there's a lot of truth to that actually. So, um, but being back in Bloomington at camp was fun. And, and it's always fun to go to camp because it's an opportunity for the kids to get away from all their other friends and focus on each other. And for us to get to know uh, all the girls better, but maybe in particular, the freshmen who you just, don't have a background with, you know, Allison Martin, who coaches with us. Uh, she teaches and coaches track at clay and coaches cross country with us. So she has a, a base of knowledge on, you know, roughly a third of the freshmen. Um, this year it's more like half, but um, you know, still there are another 15 to 20 girls that she gets to learn about for the first time. So uh, camp is camp is great. And I, if you can, as a coach who's listening, swing, getting away and doing an overnight camp for, you know, a couple of days here and there, like I would highly recommend that. I, I know a lot of day camps are popular and came out of the necessity after COVID, but um, I just, I think when you can pull the kids away and they're focused on each other alone, that makes a big deal. Yeah. What do you guys do during your downtime? Like for us, we, like the guys were playing a bunch of different games. Like we had cornhole, can jam, spike ball, brought up Mario Kart as well. So they were, just doing that like nonstop. What were you guys doing in between runs? So the fun thing is I don't really have to plan much in between the runs. I really, the to, to be fair, I only plan where we're going and when we go and then what the, what the runs themselves are outside of that, the seniors are basically, you know, in, uh, I don't want to say in control, but they, they decide what we do while we're there. Uh, the girls pick a theme. So senior girls pick a theme for camp. This year it was a Western theme, like country <laughs> cowboy kind of thing. So um, they had fun with that. Uh, they had a scavenger hunt around campus. Uh, we play fun relay games that involve, you know, like throwback to elementary school. You're going to crab walk from here to there. Uh, <laughs> you're going to put on, we have these old, I don't know why. I don't even know. I have to ask where they came from. I have no idea. We have a tote full of old, um, scuba gear basically like a swim <laughs> things and the giant scuba um, mask thing and, and all that i don't i have no idea what but you know one of the relay races okay you got to throw all this stuff on run the other side come back take it all off i mean it's just kind of silly things that they get to enjoy we play capture the flag uh there's a movie night so uh in in reality there's not a ton of downtime i mean really the the seniors mm -hmm. have things planned out and then you're fitting in runs and meals in between uh, the fun activities and then um, encouraging them to go to bed so I can go to bed and get some sleep. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, there's there's really the seniors do a really great job of structuring uh, what we're doing and making good use of our time. Yeah. Did you come away from it? Glad you did it. 
Yes. It's always a lot and it is, it is tiring. And, and typically we would stay more than two nights next year. We'll probably go back to three. There was a point when I, I coached elsewhere where we stayed four nights. We went one, a couple of years, it was Monday, come back Friday. Uh, and then we moved to just get some more parent help to like leave Thursday, come back Sunday. But it was some of those days were, and that was camping in tents. We're, we're, <laughs> yeah, these, it's totally different now, but I can't go back, Josh. Now that I've been in an air conditioned dorm with an yeah. actual, maybe actual in quotes, uh, bed, uh, you know, that beats an air mattress. It's just, uh, a totally different experience and, and an actual bathroom with running water. Um, it's, it, I, I am nostalgic over the place we used to go and, and camp, but, um, it's hard to return. I, I would do it again and recommend anyone else who could do it. And like I said, we'll probably go three nights next year and, uh, then they, I, maybe we're not as rushed to fit all of these traditions in, but I love it. Camp is so fun. And I always, I would also, because I'm a, a teacher and I think it's important for the kids. I, when I structure camp, I always try to make sure we have a full week before the students come back to school at, mm. by the time. So at, at least, um, otherwise I, I think that's just too, too much all at once. Yeah. It's interesting that you said that you're going to extend it to three nights next year because i think we came away i think we're gonna do two nights next year because that <laughs> that last day was just like yeah i don't know it's just like everything that went wrong happened on that last day you know just everyone was just like tired like we'd been running and playing games for two days straight you know first time away from home for a lot of these kids and forever so it was yeah it was interesting um, do you Maybe go back a year? We'll be having this conversation again and I'll say, we're going back to two nights. I don't know what I was thinking. I should have listened to you, Josh. And then we'll be like, we got to go another night. Um, do you go back to IU much? Like, or is it just for like state track basically? State track, uh, and the, the HSR series, uh, which is the finals taking place or have took, have taken place at IU the past several years that may change or likely will change here in the very near future. Um, it, so outside of, of that, I went, um, gosh, last November, right after cross country ended to uh, an IU football game. And uh, we just got, I think was, I must've been last, cause I think going into last season, we thought we were going to be pretty good mm -hmm. and then just kept getting slaughtered. So I had bought tickets in like July or August. And, and, you know, because of our schedule on Saturdays, it's not like you can go frequently down to IU for, for football, even though it's not far. Um, so I bought these tickets and then they, they were like a pretty, they're pretty decent seats. They're pretty good. I mean, you know, we're alumni, we're going to go down there and uh, we suck at the point of November. It's absolutely awful. And here I am like who, like we left at halftime. We went down to uh, Kirkwood and just, um, you found something better to do besides <laughs> get slaughtered. Um, but that, that I had gone to, and then outside of that, maybe one other trip in the past few years, but it's been pretty difficult to get down there or have a reason to go, um, and work with the schedule, but I, I appreciate when I can go back. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, so I graduated from Purdue in 2018 and I don't think I've been back since my sister's graduation. She graduated from Purdue and. 21 okay but yeah it's like it's crazy how much things like you don't really notice it while you're there like the construction and everything but year to year it's just like so much is growing 
Yeah, um, all of the like, dorm buildings and and uh, academic buildings, and then like this wasn't here. Uh, yeah, it's just it's wild, but um, that's also why it costs so much to go there. For sure. So we had a a Patreon member suggestion for the tier talk before, or it was after I had already like made it. Sent you that line for this week. Yeah. So I don't know. This is gonna be off the top of your head if you have them ready, but. Do you have a top three IU basketball players of all time? Oh, of all time. Okay. Um, are these who I think are the best players or are these like the ones who I enjoy the most? Mm, let's go enjoy. Okay. All right. So this is going to be a lot more recent then. So I'm a 2013 IU grad. Um, so I suffered through the first like two, my first two years there, we were just awful, just so bad. I had season tickets. I went and just watched us lose all the time. My junior year was the Watt shot year. Uh, Christian Watford hitting the game winner as time expires to beat Kentucky, which was huge and it was awesome. So Watford is going to be one of those players because of that moment. Um, it was just so pivotal. And we were having a good season before that. This is still early. This is December, um, right before finals week, actually. Uh, I wish I could tell you that I went and partied and had fun after, but in all honesty, I, I had to go to the library to work on a paper and I was like a party. Yeah. I was the only one there. Uh, everybody <laughs> else was on Kirkwood tearing stuff up, but I, and I, yeah, regret that, but I had to go. Um, so Watford would be one of them. Uh, Victor Oladipo was just so fun and exciting to watch at IU. Um, I just remember a game that I was at. He was still a freshman early on. We played Butler and he came off the bench toward the end and we were, we were losing and probably should have lost that game, but he came on with this energy about how it was like refused to lose. Right. He was just out. He was going to do everything possible. He pulled us back into a tie. We went to overtime and I believe we won in overtime and a lot was his efforts to just, you know, we were down probably like 10 with two minutes to go. So obviously not insurmountable, but it wasn't, we weren't playing well enough to win, but he was just like, I, I got this, put the team on his back and go. So I really enjoyed uh, him. And then, you know, maybe the a third player, um, again, from the same era would be like a Jordan Hulse. Um, Jordan Hulse was a Bloomington, I want to say South grad. He maybe went to North, but I'm pretty sure it was South. Um, somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure, but he was definitely one of the Bloomington <laughs> high schools. And, uh, so hometown kid, uh, made some big shots. You know, there's a lot of love for him from being in that area. And then he went on to play in Europe. And I, I think he's kind of his, I think his career has pretty much ended here recently, but, um, you know, again, maybe not the, the best players of all time, not like Calbert Chaney as an example, or Isaiah Thomas, these guys who were, you know, legends, uh, but, still um those who were pivotal or guys i enjoyed watching in person um that made it fun again it, you know for the first like i said the first two years it was not fun but by yeah. my, my senior year it was a lot of fun to be at the games and to support the team absolutely love it yeah okay before i was debating if i wanted to ask you this or not but i'm curious what your answer is going to be um this is a little like coaching thought experiment or training thought experiment that i asked like our two assistants and then Colin, their input. But so you have a high school boy who is ready, um, like his training level and training load are ready for either of these two options. Like he, he would probably wouldn't get injured on either. Like the injury rate would maybe be similar. 
Okay. But you can only choose one of the two options. One is he runs 60 miles a week with a 90 minute long run. And he can, you can have him throw in strides whenever you'd like. So you can do some like 150 pickups or something like that. So you can do that. That's option one. Okay. Option two is 40 miles a week with a 60 minute long run. And then you can have him do any workout of your choice as well. Um, and this is going to be optimizing for the 5k. Okay. You have a, a uh, so, yeah. So to be clear, an option one, there's no, no additional workout. You're just, correct. okay. You're just getting the mileage in and you could throw some strides in there. And he and, can like, he can go whatever pace he wants. So like if he's feeling good on his long run and he drops down into tempo pace, like, so be it, but not necessarily any like prescribed workouts. Okay. Um, I am going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with option one because it involves running more. And one thing that we could maybe talk about some more if we want, um, I have done some changing to the way that I coach in the past few years um, where we have moved toward running more, but not as intense as compared to having maybe a couple more workouts during the week and just running less. And I think the numbers, or I know the numbers show that we've had more success with that. Um, I, I would still like to see another year or two of data just to continue to, to verify that. But um, I, I would say if you can run more, it doesn't necessarily have to be hard efforts. Uh, I, I was what I would go with option, option one. Yeah. I was in that camp as well. Is there a like minimum threshold of mileage that you would choose the workout one? Like if it was 45 or 50 miles a week plus a workout, would you rather do yes. that? And I mean, I think the per, the kid could still do 60 miles plus a workout. For that sure. Yeah. It just wasn't part of the options, but I think, yeah, I, um, certainly earlier on. And then if we're talking cross country where he's going to be on a schedule of races, mm. is that, is that part of the scenario as well? I guess it's more summer, but that's an interesting perspective because that's kind because of that, a that is a workout then. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. We're every Saturday we're going to run hard. And then our goal is to be at our best in October. So in that case, they're sort of also racing themselves into shape and putting up enough mileage to handle that. Um, now, if it was like a, we're going to go train all summer for one 5k that takes place at the end of the summer, then, you know, maybe we would want to see something a little bit more quality, but um, I kind of like the idea of just running some more and mm -hmm. uh, things taking care of themselves. I like, yeah, those strides. That's good. So when you're like creating a weekly schedule and there's a race in there, do you view it the same as a workout or is it more or less or depend, it's, I guess? Yeah, it's a workout. So it's a, it's a hard effort. So um, I, I, I told you I had done some, some changes here in the past couple of years. Previously I did um, what we would call uh, three hard efforts. So like two workouts plus a race so, or and a third workout. So three harder efforts and a long run during the week. Um, and then I moved away from that 
a couple of years ago to two hard efforts and a long run. Um, and the, one of those hard efforts would be a race uh, during that week. And that and has allowed us to run more miles um, and uh, have another day that isn't quite as intense in there. And I think we've seen the benefit of that. Um, and I, you know, we'll see if, if you want to talk more about some of these numbers, but, I, you know, we try to, it's, it's one thing in cross country because a lot of kids are focused on time and there are so many variables that come into play, right? I mean, it's the course, it's the course conditions, it's the weather, it's the competition, you know, all of those things factor into what your overall time is on that day. Uh, but if you look at something like ratings on INCC stats or comparisons to uh, other athletes on INCC stats or what's probably best in, in some perspective would be uh, track performances because while competition and weather do matter, a track is a track wherever you're at. Like it doesn't, you know, that that's not, you know, these other variables are accounted for and that's where you can kind of see a lot more of that growth or improvement um, that either helps validate what we're doing makes sense and what we, we should keep doing it or, Hey, this actually isn't working and we need to find some other way, mm. um, to help the kids improve. Um, so. All right. I have more questions, but we'll, we'll get into it later. Okay. Uh, okay. So the actual tier talk for this week is what are your three least favorite foods? Do you want to go first? You want me to go first? Uh, you go ahead. You go first, Josh. Okay. So I guess a little background. Um, so I, I have two younger sisters, grew up, uh, went to Fisher's high school, grew up in Fisher's and, uh, we were just like always so busy with like sports and different things. And my, both my parents hate cooking. And so we ended up eating out for like almost every meal. Like okay. it was basically only like Christmas that we <laughs> ate in the house. And so what, what would you that, have at Christmas time then? Was it like a special Christmas meal that Puccinelli's did or what? Oh yeah. Uh Papa Murphy's pizza. Like the one where you can go, <laughs> go, like, go the so day. You before. didn't really cook anything. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Oh my God. So my theory is that because I got to basically choose whatever I wanted to eat growing up, I've always been like super picky. And so I feel like this list could be very long for me. Yeah. <laughs> But I've like grown less picky as I've gotten older, and thankfully. But my least three least least favorite foods are the one that came to my mind. Number three is peas. I just hate. It's, well, it's interesting because I like grapes, but something about like the popping of the peas oh, just yeah. like really grosses me out. No way. Yeah. So that's number three. Number two, I'm not a big salad guy, and something about basically all salad dressings grosses me out i don't know what it is maybe it's like the like watching people eat it and it's like on their mouth <laughs> uh, it's like in elementary school on pizza day the kid who'd always have pizza smeared on his mouth like <laughs> yeah. oh god that was the worst for sure and then number one i've actually never had this food just because of the name but it's always my least favorite food <laughs> is sour cream cream oh. should never be sour that's just that's just how it is. To be iced, ice cream is what That's right. Any so, other cream? Okay. We have uh, some overlap here, right? This is interesting. 
Okay. Um, so my mom was a big cook growing up and actually she passed that trade on to me and I love cooking. Um, but I'm also very picky and I, I got to decide, are you the oldest? You said you have two sisters. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So am I of oldest of two. I've got a younger brother. I also got to decide what we were eating basically for every meal. Like I just got to pick. Oh, really? Yeah. I was, maybe I'm the favorite. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I, I do enjoy cooking and my mom did cook a lot and I got to kind of pick, but I have some really, uh, definitely maybe unique, but definitely controversial takes on food. So we'll see, um, what, what you think. Um, I, by the way, I also agree with your three. I hate, I hate all of those things. I would never eat them to save my life. Even, um, even salad dressing. No, God, no, I don't eat salad. That's you move the salad out of the way to get to the real food. All right. Of that over. Let's go. <laughs> so on that topic, then my third, uh, of the three ranch. Mm, that I, is very controversial. Oh, gross. I know I'm from the Midwest. People put ranch on their ranch. I, I don't <laughs> get out of here. You miss me with that. Uh, number two, mashed potatoes. Really? I like French fries. I love them. Uh, I would eat them at every meal if I could, but it's the consistency of the mashed potato that I don't like. So it has to be fried and crispy. That's how I like my potatoes. I love mashed potatoes. That's that's wild. You can have my portion too. There you um, go. The most controversial uh, food opinion that I have I don't like cheese at all, at all. I, I won't eat a sandwich with cheese on it. If my pizza has too much cheese on it, I'll pick it off. That's about the only time I eat cheese. Honestly, um, oh, I would no. never eat like, I like charcuterie, but I'm not eating the cheese on it. I've got the meat <laughs> and some other stuff. Um, so people just lose their mind when they hear that. I don't like, no, I don't want nachos with cheese. I don't want a cheeseburger. I just want a hamburger. I mean, it's uh Interesting. Yeah. So is pizza the only context you'd eat cheese? Yeah, that's it. That's I that, yeah, I'm not doing it otherwise. Uh, and like I said, if it's too cheesy, if it's too much, I'll just pick it off. And if I do, I um I'll make homemade pizzas. I've got like a little pizza oven, uh nice. like a thing that you know, whatever. I got a pizza <laughs> oven. That's what it's called. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but I when I home make them, I won't uh put cheese on it. I'll just make, you know, the, the dough with the sauce and whatever toppings that are always meat that I want. Um, but I'm not putting cheese on that bad boy. So has it always been that way? You've never liked cheese? So I, apparently when I was really young, I would go, this is, uh, this is interesting. I would go to the fridge and I would take out one of those like craft singles, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, for sure. And open that package and eat the cheese just plain like oh. that. I don't, you know, you're a little kid. What do you know? Um, and then at some point, probably in, in early to mid elementary school, I probably stopped eating cheese outside of pizza. And that's it. I, I've never turned back. That's crazy. Have you ever tried cheese recently? Um, I try not to. I mean, again, <laughs> on pizza, um, I'm trying to think the last time I had to eat some, some cheese. Someone uh, from time to time... Uh, someone will be like, you have to try, like, you come on, you try it. You, you know, I was like, fine. So <laughs> I'll suffer through it, but it's never good. It's never good. And this one wants to give you, well, try this blue cheese. Like that's come on, man. That's the worst. I actually love blue cheese. Really? That's, like the, that's the one thing that's like kind of 
uncharacteristic, I guess. Hmm. But dang, that's wild. I I didn't think anyone was as picky as I was, but oh, it's bad. Found my soulmate. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Olipop. Olipop is a healthy and delicious alternative to soda. Available in 14 flavors, including cherry vanilla, cream soda, and my personal favorite, classic root beer, Olipop combines prebiotics, plant fiber, and botanical extracts to support your digestive health with less than 5 grams of sugar and 45 calories in each can. Indiana Runner podcast listeners can get 15% off at checkout with code IRPODCAST15. If you'd like to support the podcast and are looking for a healthy and delicious alternative to soda, check out Olipop today. All right, next icebreaker is car thoughts. The gist of it is the random thoughts you have while you're driving, showering, walking, running, whatever you're doing alone. Um, so my serious one for this week is, I guess a little background for this, but I was meeting some friends for dinner. And have you ever been to Tappers? Um, no. Oh, is this like, the, um, is it the arcade bar? Yeah. Okay, I've not been there, but I have heard of it. Okay, it's really sweet. Definitely worth going. Okay. Um, but we like got dinner, went to Tappers. Um, I texted Emily, like we were just texting, like she's asking how it's going, whatever. Um, and then I like texted her right before we went to Tappers, and then we were like we're just like playing games and whatever, hanging out until like eleven or so. Um, and then I texted her back. Oh no! Okay, wait. Here's the the critical piece of that I'm missing. Yeah. She uh went out like to run a couple of errands or whatever and came back and she hadn't locked the door, the front door, or it didn't shut all the way because it was like hot out and the door expanded, whatever. Sure. And so she's like uh like freaking out. Like she like ends up like going to the house, like looking everywhere, like it's all good. Um I find that out later though. So she texts me that the door is open, like I hope no one's in there, kind of thing. And then that's like right after I go into Tappers and or playing games or whatever, whatever. Um, and then I text her like maybe an hour later, two hours later that like we're done, I'm heading home. And she doesn't text me back. Um, and so I thought like for sure that she was dead. You know, I thought I was going to come home and like someone had like broken into the house and like they were going to be waiting for me with her dead body or whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> You so you jumped to like worst case scenario, huh? For sure. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. It's like the scenarios you picture. Like, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'm driving home. Did you call her, Josh? Like, I, I saw her text. Did you call her as soon as you saw it? No. Well, no. No, I didn't. <laughs> well, you know, she, she's maybe murdered. What's the point of, of calling yeah. her? Yeah. It's you like know? either she's fine or she's dead, you know? Like, she's like, not when you get home. <laughs> so I, I guess this is when I was having this car thought um, or it kind of expanded from this experience of driving home and like thinking she was dead <laughs> or that I could be next, you know, yeah. but it's just like the reality that everything comes to an end. Like there can be a last time for everything and kind of even expanding on that, like you just never know when like the last time for something is going to be um not to get even like more sad or morbid but like my parents 
are getting up there in age. You know, they're, I mean, late fifties, not super old, but um, I get uh, dinner or lunch with them like fairly regularly just to like stay close. And sure. just thinking about like, there's going to be eventually the last time for that. Um, who knows if an injury like takes me out of running for forever like it could be last time for that right. so it's just i don't know it's so easy to especially like being still fairly young to feel like immortal and not really think about you know the last times so it's like thinking about like like the last time i saw emily last time i'm alive even and so just trying to like it's hard to do like i said because you, you feel like things will just never end but just be more grateful for the times that I have with Emily, with my family, with running, different things like that. Cause it could just be taken from you so quickly. So yeah, that was my opportunities. Yeah, exactly. So that's my car thought or my serious car thought, my not so serious one. And I forget who I was talking about this with. Um, I wonder if it was, if you were there or not, but it's, are all sandwiches calzones? So like, I feel like pizza is basically a sandwich or like a an open sandwich. Like what's like this looks like the same ingredients, you know? And so you fold a pizza in half, it's a calzone. Yeah. And then a sandwich is like a folded pizza kinda. So are like is pizza a sandwich and a calzone? Are they really all the same thing? We're just eating a bunch of sandwiches and don't even know it. So this is a spin on the question of like, is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh, Which, that's also a good question. Yeah. And so we could figure that one out. Um, are all sandwiches calzones? Uh, well, let's think about a calzone is the breading, right? Which sandwich check. And then it depends on, on where you want to go next, right? Does it have to be like a pizza sauce? In which case there are many sandwiches that are not. But is it just some kind of sauce? That would be okay. Mm -hmm. Toppings inside the sandwich. Again, does it have to be pepperoni and cheese or could it be anything else? Um, I think a calzone is definitely a sandwich. I don't know if all sandwiches are calzones though. Um, but that is, that's fascinating. Something to chew on, you know? Something to literally chew on. I like that. <laughs> Um, my serious car thought, um, luckily doesn't involve the potential death of a significant other. Um, <laughs> mine though is, uh, so I am a pretty reflective person. I think, you know, we think about these different character traits or whatever. I'm pretty reflective. I definitely take time during the day and at the end of the day to look back on all these things whether uh, it involved whatever lesson I taught in class or something that happened at practice, the workout, um, even conversations had with people, um, what, how did it go? And then what are some ways to get better? So I've, I've always spent a lot of time trying to reflect on, on those things and make notes, whether that's, again, for for training for the next year or uh for teaching that lesson the following year what are ways to get better i i sat down and like i said as we record this i have to go to the, my first teacher day tomorrow and so a couple days ago i you know dusted off you know the section of my laptop and decided i was going to get my calendar for this semester planned out and uh, I went back and looked at all these notes that I had for a couple things that, to change here and there, but 
Um, so during the day, or I guess on my car ride home, I do a lot of reflection on things that happen during the day, things that happen at practice, conversations, that kind of thing, and just, you know, ways to improve or get better. And I've got about a 30 minute drive and that gives me time to decompress and think about it and kind of see what I can do to improve. That's cool. I like that. Have you always been pretty reflective? Yeah. Sometimes to a fault, honestly, like sometimes you just have to let it go. I'll catch myself, you know, ruminating on something, just thinking about the negative thoughts uh, of whatever again and again, because, you know, uh, whether it's, it's teaching or coaching or whatever interpersonal interaction you have, like that, it doesn't always go well. Like there are bad, bad lessons and bad days and, and, you know, bad ideas that happen at practice or whatever. So, um, you know, just trying to understand to move on and, you know, correct it for the future and don't beat yourself up about it. But, um, yeah, I've always been pretty reflective on things, um, just striving to continue to get better. Yeah. Is it hard for you to let those reflective thoughts go? It is, it is hard. Um, especially when it doesn't go well, Mm. um, you know, just kind of think about it and I'm getting better with it, but you know, when you, I, I, particularly in, in the coaching realm, which is, you know, really my passion. It's um, you have these kids for four years and in my mind, we owe it to them to help them be the very best that they can be. Like, I'm not here to take credit for them, but I think I, I owe it to them. That's my responsibility to help them. And if we didn't get better that day, then, you know, maybe it was kind of a waste. And it's one thing if they have a bad day or whatever, but if it was my bad day that resulted in that, that's hard. But um, you know, being able to understand and let that go and and move forward. There aren't a lot of those days, but they do happen. And when they do, um, you just got to shake it off and I'm, I'm not great at it, but I hope to get better. Yeah. Is it hard to like, maybe in a scenario where you feel like you were in the right or you did the best that you could, is it hard to like distill out where you can improve in that? It is. Um, yeah, there are times that happens and, um, you know, just try to ref- yeah, try to reflect back and find something, but, you know, sometimes it just, you can do all the right things and it's still not work. And that's, that can be difficult to accept in its own right, you know, and that's, that's also harder when you explain that to a high school kid, you know, Hey, we did all of these things and it just, for whatever reason, didn't work out. You know, we, we weren't able to achieve whatever you wanted, especially in a sport like ours that, um, you know, Colin is really good about saying this. You probably heard him say it. He's definitely told to me that, you know, we can't play defense, right? Mm -hmm. We can't control what the other, uh, in this case, girls or boys are doing out there. We just have to show up and do our very best. And if we do that, whatever happens, happens, but we don't have control over those other athletes. And, um, sometimes that's good for kids to hear. And they, they're like, yeah, you know, you're right. I can just do my thing. But some, that's also kind of a hard pill to swallow from time to time that there's something that is really important to you that you don't have control over. And you're just at the mercy of, you know, whatever, whatever takes place that day. Yeah. It it seems like with training and maybe to a lesser degree culture, it would be really hard to, to switch things up, especially on like a big level just because in reality it probably takes at least two three four probably years to for like a new training you know i'm gonna tell you 
I'd over three. I'm in my third year now, and it will probably be one more year at least until both the training aspect and the culture is where where I'd like for it to be. Yeah. So is it on the outside? Is it like pretty? I don't know what the right word is, but like nerve wracking to like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna have to commit to it for some time to see if it works. Is that tough to wrestle with? It is, and that it, you know, like I said, I had you know, a couple of years ago, switched from, from three hard efforts and a long run to two hard efforts and a long run in an effort to run more overall. Um, and, but that it, I thought about it for a few years and I, before finally pulling the trigger, because while, you know, we weren't like at, we, as in at North central, we had some good teams, but we weren't necessarily on, we were never on the podium for cross. Uh, we were pretty close a couple of years and if things had worked out a little differently, I think we would have had one or two years on the podium at least, but um, you know, it just, it just didn't come to be. And but regardless, we're having success and kids are getting better and it's hard to say, well, we should change this because, you know, we, maybe we could be even, I mean, I know this isn't correct grammar, but even more better, right. We can improve by even more. Um, and it's, it is scary to try something new that's uncomfortable and different. Um, and so it took me a couple of years to finally decide to, to plunge in and do it. And it was a lot of conversations with, uh, high school coaches and college coaches and, um, just kind of getting to the point where I felt comfortable with let's, let's just try something, put my neck on the line and just see if it's going to work out. And, um, ultimately I think it has, but it's, it wasn't easy to decide that and, and just go for it. Absolutely. All right, I, have a, I also have some more questions about training, but we'll uh, we'll go background first and we'll dive into some more training questions. Okay. Um, well, cool. So we, on basically every podcast, go from the beginning. So how uh, did you get your start in running? What else were you doing as a kid? What was that like? If you'd like to continue listening to this episode of the podcast, you'll need to subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Indiana Runner. Once you do, you'll get access to all full-length episodes of the interview portion of the podcast, in addition to other subscriber-only content, including extra content from Colin and Taylor, book club episodes, the ability to ask my guests questions, and much more. Thanks again for listening to and supporting this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you on Patreon.